Welcome to the J.P. Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week from Los Angeles, I believe, in a prison cell somewhere there, is Joe Lupton. An undisclosed location. It looks like you've been pulled off the plane and put in some uh, interrogation room or something like that. We're having some uh, security issues. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's leave that, um, and let's also note. You've been uh, away. We actually have not had much chance to talk, so this will be a little more unvarnished uh, conversation, which I will see how that goes. Um, but let me start, Joe, by throwing out to you what I think uh, we kind of have gotten this week, um, you know, and then see see your kind of take on it. Uh, you know, to me, you know, our our broad calls are that we're going to stay resilient and that we're going to continue to see sticky inflation here. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that broad theme is tracking today to this week's numbers. I think if you're looking at the broad accumulation of numbers, what's been interesting is we're, we're continuing to push up our, uh, our forecast for global GDP for Q1. And we're now sitting at two, six, which is about a quarter percentage point above potential. So we keep having this pattern where current quarter, uh, numbers coming in tend to push our economists forecasts up. Uh, we had the manufacturing PMIs, which really didn't drive people's forecast this week, but I think was interesting in terms of the, um, you know, the sense that we're broadening the base of global growth in a world in which uh, manufacturing has been a weak link. And we now push the, um, you know, this is a big deal, given how much we've been talking about it for the first time in a long time, uh, the manufacturing survey and our forecast for something like 2% IP growth in the first half of this year look close to alignment. I can't remember the last yeah. time we could say something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on the inflation side, I think we came into the year with a view of sticky inflation and feeling pretty strong about the the good side of that because it was a global phenomenon and it was uh, tracking with a lot of the global indicators. The services side was a bit funkier. There's significant downward uh, moves in both the U.S. core PCE as well as in the uh, Euro HICP at the end of last year. And what we've gotten this week, something we already previewed in the U.S. Uh, data before, was that the PCE number bounced back, and it bounced back uh, particularly in the services. And then we had a February flash HICP this week uh, that gave us another firm reading. The January reading was firm, and they kind of our guys kind of said, well, that's just getting out distortions, but they're a little more impacted by a surprise in February, which they thought was a clean reading and gave you a five tenths month on month rise in services. So that's the the backdrop. Let me just throw it to you. You've been out seeing clients uh, yeah. in, in Japan and in, in, in Australia. Uh, let me hear your take. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you laid it out well. I think you can just put it pretty simply and just say a little more growth, a little more inflation. And I feel like there's been a, a tipping point, uh, as, as as you know, and everyone who's listening know, we've been kind of pushing back in the first couple of months of the year hard against the idea of, of early rate cuts from the Fed. Um, what has been kind of striking in this this trip that I'm this two week trip from in Asia that I'm finishing up is I spent more time kind of I don't want to say arguing, but discussing with people whether the Fed should be cutting at all. Uh, and that was kind of, you know, that was kept me on my heels a little bit. It was like whiplash. And, you know, sure enough, I mean, as the data has been rolling in this week, I think it's, I, I, you know, the cuts will probably be coming, but I, I think you just have to start thinking about maybe 
certainly obviously March is gone, but maybe not even June, maybe, maybe July, maybe September is the start. Certainly not 125, which is our baseline forecast. I, I mean, can that happen? Sure. It can, it can happen, but a lot of things need to go right for that to happen. I would, or I would mark or the market. Run. I'd probably say roughly in line with market pricing of seven seventy-five basis points seems more right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, as you know, we're both, we're both been there. So yeah, uh, that's, I think, you know, the, I think we need to have a framework here. And from my perspective, the way to think about this is if the Fed is sitting in the middle of the year and feeling pretty confident that inflation is on a path to get to two and a half percent, and it's feeling like there's nothing going unduly wrong in terms of uh, the way that supply and demand is evolving, then there's room for easing. And if we kind of take a the view we've been taking, which is that growth is going to be okay, the unemployment rate is going to be broadly stable, um, and that core inflation is going to be, um, you know, sitting around three in the uh, core CPI space. The um, the convergence in the PC would probably still give you an OYA of two and a half in the middle of the year. On that, there's still a window open, but you can see how, um, you know, moving off of that in terms of stronger growth, tighter labor markets, um, a um, Somewhat yeah. firmer inflation profile, even modestly, can really begin to to even challenge that kind of view. Yeah, and let, let me just you know take your temperature on this because this is kind of a conversation that came up a lot, which was okay. Let's we talk about inflation getting around two and a half. Uh, you know, kind of makes them feel comfortable. But how sensitive are they to the growth numbers? Like, what if I told you? In fact, you put out a piece this week, kind of highlighting some of these issues, but. You know, if I told you the unemployment rate was going to stay at three seven and payrolls were still growing kind of 180, 200,000, but inflation gets down to two and a half, Damn. are they cutting in that environment? Well, I, I don't know. That's a... I, because here's the thing, Bruce, I, I think if you're a hawk around the table, you know, the doves are kind of crying like, oh, you know, we 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 got to we got to get moving here. We got to take our foot off the brake so we don't cause a recession. I'd be like, if you can show me one piece of data that says there's pressure on this economy fine, we'll cut. But right now, we just don't see that pressure. Yeah. No, so, I mean, I, I guess I, I have been kind of trying to emphasize the idea that correlated surprises here that are small have a big impact, because if you kind of make the point you made, which is if you have growth uh, continuing to look firm, it starts to challenge your view, not just about what the path ahead for you know the labor market is going to be in terms of slack and how that directly translates into inflation. But it also begins to challenge your view about where our star is, which is obviously up for grabs here in this conversation. Yeah. So these things are correlated. So, you know, I guess what I would say is a world in which you're feeling growth is trend like uh, you're feeling the unemployment rate is stable and there's supply as well as demand side issues there. And you're feeling that inflation is running, um, you know, in a, on a path to be two and a half. You're probably at a point where you can ease and a Taylor rule that I would kind of use looking towards 2025 forecasts, you know, kind of gives me a, a policy rate prescription that's probably given, you know, a view that neutral is probably closer to three and a half than two and a half. Uh, it probably gives me a policy rate somewhere consistent with the dots at, at 475. But you don't yeah, have I mean, to, you don't have to nudge that very much, not only to have uh, the numbers go up, but to have the way the Fed assess it from a risk point of view uh, shift here. Uh, and I yeah, think it, I, I think it is I, important to realize that. Yeah, I think 
that exercise, and I, I think it's important, particularly noting the correlation of these things, generally will, will be highly uh, positive, and they'll be all moving together, all these fundamentals, all these potential misses that would then lead to a higher short-run R-star, if you want to call it that. that. That, to me, is more of a conversation of where's the terminal rate in this cutting cycle. I think it, 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 it gets a little more fuzzy when it's like, well, when do you start and maybe like how fast are they cutting here, right? We, we've never really kind of took on board the idea of, oh, the, the cutting every other meeting, but maybe not only do they start later, but they do try to say like, you know, we're, we're really not sure where terminal rate is gonna be here. And if the economy is still strong, this is a unique cycle, right? We just, we're, we're, we're kind of mid cycle and all these fundamentals. And maybe we need to kind of just pause to see where that short run R star is. Well, that's not that's uncommon, Joe. I think I think when you have Fed corrections that are not being accompanied by uh, a real growth threat, that's the nature of the beast. You get these incremental um, adjustments. So I think. Well, you I don't think, have you don't have incremental adjustments downward too often, right? I mean, well, usually did. the pattern is slow on the way up and fast on the way down when you fall into recession. We're talking about well, soft landing here. Well, I'm I'm just saying, if you take a look at the the two soft landings that you've had um, in in the last thirty years or so, forty years in the mid '80s and the mid '90s, uh, the '95 adjustment was seventy five basis points down, and then the Fed stuck 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 there. It actually began hiking again be just before the Asian crisis. Right. Uh, right. In the um, in the mid '80s, with a much higher policy rate, we're talking about policy rate that's eleven percent. They moved down 175. So I'd kind of like say, given yeah, how high no, the level I, I was, that that's yeah. probably incremental as well. If you look at the even the recession scenarios where the Fed uh, finished tightening before the recession, but the recession didn't take hold quickly, which you could say is the 2000, you know, six, the end of the easing in 2004 to the end of tightening in 2004 to six, and then you had some easing afterwards. That happened slowly. The 89.90 happened slowly. So I think. I think you're right. You get you get a lot of easing on the back end, but it's because growth breaks down or because there's a financial stress point that hits. But if you're going to so I think we have to understand the leverage works both ways. If the if the Fed is sitting here and we have payrolls at zero and we have a fear that the economy. Well, then we're done, right? Yeah. Then they, yeah. Ease, they ease 200 basis points right, and then exactly. they ask questions yeah. later. But if we yeah. stay in a world in which the economy is not in recession and is not posing a major threat. I think the point we're making here is that we can debate the timing of this thing, but it's hard to really argue for a big adjustment because that environment of a recession that is um, holding, uh, that's not in the picture is almost certainly an environment in which labor markets are tight. Wage inflation is high. Maybe you're getting a supply side that will support that. But if it is, then you actually have to think you need a higher rate because of yeah. because of a neutral. I mean, the, way, so. the way I've kind of framed it is I, I keep talking about like where are the the kind of the fundamentals that it's not just high rates that drive recession dynamics. It's the high rates with credit cycles that are advanced, leverage cycles that are advanced. That's what drives inflation because of high demand. Fed raises rates. Everything comes tumbling down. We're not there, right? We've had these supply shocks and pandemic related shocks that led to higher rates, but everything's kind of mid-cycle right now. And that's why we're seeing continued growth. That's why yeah. we're seeing a healthy, resilient household sector. And that is, by the way, is why we have interest in sensitivity and therefore a higher short-run neutral rate. 
which is, I, I mean, the, the, the last thing, I mean, maybe it's not the last thing, but certainly I want to definitely not the last you, thing, Joe. <laughs> I want to ask you, like, are we, I, sometimes I feel like we're debating our own house call and not as much the market. I mean, the market's got only 75 priced in, they've got a terminal rate, which is a bit higher. Um, substance, we're, that's what we're arguing for, right? So well, I think, I think, um, Two months ago, we were fighting the market view, well, which wasn't even our house view, yeah. that the Fed would start in, in, in March. I think now what I'm fighting is the 160 basis points the market's got through the end of 25. I think that is still a lot in a world in which you look at the configuration of Fed pricing, uh, rising bond yields. Uh, equity prices that are still going up to me that's still a very yeah you're trying to shoehorn that into a modal view there's still a tail in there that we're not talking about which is we fall into recession. Two, yeah but there's not a, but the tails are not asymmetric now i don't know i think if the if the mean of the fed of the fed pricing to the um end of 25 is about 360 or so whatever okay. what would a recession give you recession would give you something like 100 150 more so that's a that's a tail no 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 you you would cut down to one no not necessarily an average recession will get you for three four hundred basis points of easing just anyway take a take whatever tail you want let's just put another we're starting from a super okay so put it put another 200 put another 200 in there okay that's one tail what's the tail on the other side that we're talking about with maybe it's just high for long yeah, high for long is two hundred to the upside, so it's symmetric. Uh, you're pricing in hundred. What do you mean? Where with five fifty? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, high high for longer. I think they could still cut down to five. The work that you they just could, put but out, there's got to be a tail on the other side, know, which is now tail, symmetric symmetric around a tail of recession that gets yeah. you down to two, and a tail that the Fed is not able to ease and is staying at five and a half. So I don't think the I, I, don't, I don't think, think the tails are asymmetric. Your tail, your your tail that you considered in this piece had four fifty. I'm not sure what you mean. Maybe four eighty. In in the piece you put out, you said, "Oh, what if all these correlated things come out?" That's there? not that's not a tail. That's just saying if we had small but correlated changes. That's that's to me a baseline, Joe. That's oh, what oh, I'm so fighting because that's my base. That's okay. my baseline. That's not my your tail. baseline's four eighty. Okay. My tail right. is is six and a half, and okay. my tail is. And my tail is too. And by the oh, way, yeah. as you're talking to people this week that are kind of pushing it back about the yeah. Fed possibly easing, I actually find what's interesting is um, I'm starting to talk to people who want to re re-engage on the on the you know the side that things the balance sheet. Get, no, not on the balance sheet. Uh, <laughs> on the on the side that actually, hey, you guys are not uh, are not appreciating that the economy is going to lose a lot more momentum here in the next few months, and we're going to see payroll grow slow a lot. You know. I'm not I don't want to start getting into that conversation much, but yeah. I, I found that there's a there's a conversation thread that was basically dropped a little bit. Well, it, it's done. it is a little complicated, which is why the, the title of my chart pack this week was a walk in the dark. That's what it kind of feels like. <laughs> I don't think it's a walk in the dark. I think we're okay. pretty we're pretty clear what's happening in this economy. I have to say, though, that and this is a point you've made and I and I'm appreciative of it is that. It is. I think it's pretty clear that there's stickiness on inflation, there's resilience on growth. The problem, I think, is that if we're talking about stickiness of inflation in the range of mid twos to mid threes, 
um, or low twos to mid threes, let's just say for argument's sake, um, the point you end up in there is very hard for our tools to discern with a lot of conviction. I think we should all yeah. recognize that making a forecast that we say correlation is going to be 3% yeah. and, 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 and arguing against two and a half is, um, yep. is not something I think any of us should feel particularly uh, cocky about. However, which, which, which okay. however, and this is the point you've made, yeah. you know, the difference for the Fed between two and a half and three is huge. Three is a environment if they think they're going to stabilize at that, they actually have to start thinking maybe they need to tighten again at some point. So yeah, um, yeah, three will be the break the glass type moment in the halls on C yeah. Street. We're not talking about <laughs> printing three for three months. We're talking about yeah. what happens if they start to think we're going to have three over the next year or two. Yeah, right. That's yeah, yeah. which is not where they are now at all. So these are, I think that's, I think we understand the nature of this economy. There's stickiness and in inflation. There's resilience and growth. Uh, there's a Fed that's trying to find the right path to balance this. But small differences, especially small correlated differences, get you big differences in outcomes if we're trying to price in a, a Fed path. And that is that part of it. I yeah. think we have to recognize the uncertainty of. Um, and, then, and I think and then that's... the funny thing is if 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 the U.S. seems kind of uh, a bit complicated, the euro area is just a, a a mess, right? I mean, you've got no growth, you've got you know record high tightness and record low unemployment rates. You get the inflation surprise this week. I mean, I kind of felt like I was coming in here saying like, how could the ECB really be? cutting as much as we have them cutting when they're just not growing. And they, they you know, you've had this kind of well, year and a half. Wait, isn't it the other way? Why aren't they cutting if they're just not growing? I understand uh, what you're saying. If they're, oh, they're sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Why do we have them only cutting to where their terminal rate is? You know, which is, I, we've only got 100 we've basis points. We've got them cutting 200 basis end. points in the... We've got 100 basis points by the end of the year, right? Yeah, okay, we got 100 by the end of this year. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, And I, I think... You but then you get, you, get, you get this week's inflation surprise. You get a record low unemployment rate. I mean, they are just feeling... I mean, it's stagflation, right? I mean, they're, they're not growing. They've got all these inflation pressures. It's, it's just this lack of supply side, right? If the U.S. is like this... But I don't think they're not growing, Joe. I'm, I'm getting more confident, not that we're going to get strong growth, but that we're definitely getting a, a pickup in growth and a pickup in consumers in the euro area. Uh, well, I think we're I think we're getting confident because we just keep saying the story. We keep repeating it. No, we're getting <laughs> I think I think the oh, you know, it's the easy PMI to say wasn't great this week. The PMI was pretty good. The manufacturing was revised up, and the services are up. But still, so, it's still like what flat. It, it didn't didn't. No, it, it right? got, the, the big gains in the PMI manufacturing PMI were in U.S. Oh um, yeah, the manufacturing is up a little bit, but services were up. Yeah, so a decent rise in services. You have a decent rise. You know, part of the problem with the euro area is a lot of our conversation is is operating in a data free zone. Like if we want to talk about the U.S. consumer, God knows what we right. can talk about with already having a decent amount of data for January. We don't even yeah. know what the fourth quarter was in euro area consumption yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the German report, it's probably looking OK. But um, yes, but my, my gut feeling, it's a gut feeling more than it is a analytically based, you know, pushing of the, the data is I think things are doing a little better. Um, I'm OK with that. I think you're right. Yeah. It's still weird. 
how weak growth has been cumulatively um, and stickiness of inflation is a little bit harder for me to, you know, kind of pound the table on in a world in which growth has been so weak. But as you say, labor market's tight, wages are growing. It's a bit, it's a different mix. Um, yeah. And I, well, and I end up in the same place. Activity growth since the pandemic, right? And the U.S. is just supercharged. Yeah. And I think that's the other issue on the U.S. If we're going to be wrong, it could be because we're underestimating supply side performance, which I think is one of the possible good things happening here. But um, I think we're going to I want to end just on the note of, um, you know, remembering we got a payroll report next week. We got an ECB meeting next week. We got yeah. Powell yeah. testimony next week. Uh, we probably have some other things which I'm not paying attention to, but uh, we got the services and all industry PMIs uh, globally. Um, so I do think, you know, if we get our payroll report forecast of 200K and a stable unemployment rate, it is going to both give you that that sense that there's still pretty decent and broad-based growth momentum. But if the unemployment rate keeps staying stable at a, you know, payroll pace of 200,000 or stronger, you're going to obviously continue to talk about pretty healthy supply side conditions underneath it. And that does provide some support for the for the Fed in the in the disinflationary space. Um, yeah. And then and then we have, you know, Powell was like in the January meeting, he was definitely pushing back against the early easing, but he was also expressing a lot of confidence that they would get to the point that they would be confident that inflation is, is on yeah. the right path. So to watch how he kind of dances in front of uh, Congress this week is going to be interesting uh, yeah. to see how much he pulls back from that kind of degree of uh, confidence. And the ECB meeting, I think, is going to be, you know, they're just, as you say, waiting and watching and not feeling too too cocky here uh, one way or another about when when they'll be ready to, to ease. Um, mm -hmm. Anything you want to kind of hit on the end here in terms of what you've been talking about or what you're seeing that we haven't already hit here? No, I mean, obviously, we didn't touch on the BOJ, which was a topic. Of right. You were in Japan Tokyo, and Australia. But... So um, is there anything yeah, from I mean, there? Do you have anything, I mean, I, still do you have anything good to eat that... in Japan? Excellent. No, yeah, I went to your favorite uh, restaurant on Ramen Street. So okay. <laughs> um, seven o'clock um, in the morning, have breakfast seven o'clock in the morning with ramen. Not, no, I wasn't not that not. crazy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not as dedicated as you, Bruce. I know. I just someone um, who gets up at four thirty in the morning. That's what you do. <laughs> texting you and arguing with you about the Fed. Yeah. Uh, no, but people are still pretty confident the BOJ is going to be moving even earlier than our forecast. Whereas I just keep seeing kind of this weakening growth profile. I mean, I, well, the wage negotiation rounds. A lot of attention is that's coming up. So we'll have to to watch that to see. Yeah, the Japanese happens. data has been pretty disappointing i think overall yeah um yeah. so i'm i have no problem with the weight although who knows what they're trying to signal there i'm, I'm with ayako on that i do think yeah. i'm biased towards a similar bias as i have for the fed and ecb that they are more hawkish so i'd be biased towards if we get the wage round if we get the japanese economy do okay the world isn't blowing up in our faces that the boj is going to be at the end of 25 closer to 100 than zero yeah i mean and, and maybe this is the last thing to say which just brings it back to our the bulk of our conversation everyone basically says everything's a beta to the fed call so most, most conversations are surrounding that yep for sure all right i know you're gonna have to get your flight back to new york so i'm gonna let yep. you go and i think we'll end there and thanks everybody um
I don't know where I am. I'm in. I'm in. You're in Asia. Actually. I'm in Mumbai next Friday at this yeah. time. So hopefully uh, we can do it from there and have a talk about uh, Indian food instead of uh, ramen. So <laughs> take All care, right. everybody, and uh, hope to continue the conversation next week on the weekend there.